You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You're you're tuned in to It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati, the top podcast covering the defending AFC champion Cincinnati Bengals. Hosted by Lindsey Patterson and Mike Santagata at Odyssey Sports Podcast. It's always game day in Cincinnati. Lindsey Patterson and Mike Santagata. Mike, how you doing? You know, I, I'm doing okay, but I don't know. Cut down day is uh, not my favorite day. No, no, not today. I mean, it's one of those those things, though. It's really weird because teams go from around 74, 75 today to three hours later, 20, 25 guys are gone. They're looking for another team. And it really never feels official. I know 4 p.m. is when everybody's like, oh, here's the roster. This is what it's going to look like. These guys are gone. We're not going to see them again. Then they come back on the practice squad. They go on other rosters. It never feels official for about two to three weeks from this day. Yeah. I mean, and you just look at what the Bengals are probably going to end up doing. It's just a whole lot of roster voodoo. So this guy's on the team, but he's going to IR and that guy that we cut, he's coming back and all this other type of stuff. So it really does feel like maybe, and who knows, maybe they sign some people that get cut. So it doesn't really feel until like at least a week from now when we're more looking towards the Steelers that the roster is set to me. Like now it's, pretty much there but i just think there's plenty of back-end shuffling that they might do any surprises for you right now i think the biggest surprise for everybody was uh trivia williams making it which i'm happy for him and this is he's I, I believe he's made it the past few years and uh great special teams guy what i think of is everybody's kind of worried about how many wide receivers there are but really after you get through like five wide receivers it's well, those are special teamers that, that also double as depth for that position. Like that's not their first position. Uh, their first position is on special teams. So they liked what Travion brought more than they liked what uh, Pryor or Lassiter or uh, Irwin brought on special teams. And I think that's what ended up happening. I think when you have a guy like Darren Simmons, who's been with this team for a really long time, his input, his advice it truly matters in some of these roster spots. I think there's so many positions and we'll get to offensive line later when it comes to depth and who they may or may not bring in. But I think you see it like that. And I think with Chris Evans, you know, we saw him a little bit in preseason that they're going to think of this guy as one of their running backs, but also a wide receiver out there too. what Joe Mixon can do in the air on the ground. And yeah, it's a little scary when you look at some of the other positions that they doubled up on. You could even look at the cornerback room right now, which could change as this week goes on, what that depth's really going to look like. 
Yeah, I mean, with Chris Evans, it's it's interesting. They don't seem to want to make him the third down running back because of probably pass protection concerns. And with that comes size. I know the PFF grade is good, but it was on eight snaps. So <laughs> it's like the those he wasn't really tested. Um, but he also had, I know, I mean, the one snap that's burned into my memory is against the Lions where he runs, I believe it's just a go ball on the outside and empty it's you could see more of that i think some people thought of him as a little bit of a like a slot receiver they give boyd some relief but i'm not sure it feels like and the Bengals aren't one of those condensed teams but a lot of guys want bigger slot receivers now because they almost double as some type of blocking whether that's just an adjuster or it's more like cooper cup who almost plays the role of a tight end at times so i don't know if if they already don't love him in pass protection as a coaching staff, I'm not sure if they're going to love him in the run blocking area either. So I'm not sure if he plays some real slot, maybe third down type stuff when you know it's a pass. I also just think you go empty. I mean, he is a weapon on the outside. He's got great ability to track the ball, bring it in, can actually work deep down the field. I think Mixon can too, but why not give him a break if you're going to run one of those? And Evans has a little bit more speed to him. So I think he's an interesting weapon. Um, I would love if they could just trust him in pass protection and he gives them a reason to trust him in pass protection and he just takes over that role because that would be, I think that would be where he could make the biggest impact. You hear some of the names today and I think it's always crazy. Like I've said before on the podcast on social media that every big name player that you hear get released. Oh, Cincinnati needs to give this guy a try. He should be on the team. I mean, you really only have 53 spots right now. You have to think about that. Are there any names right now that you see out there and you say the Cincinnati Bengals should take a look? Uh, um, <laughs> I'm not the big one in former first round pick Alex Leatherwood gets cut. And uh, it feels like everybody really just want to take a victory lap about how they were so smart and they knew this, whatever. I don't care about any of that. Um, every smart mind I, I, I hear from Duke, Manny, whether Brandon Thorne, all Mitchell Schwartz, former players, they're all saying that it's not like a talent thing with this guy. It's a technique and how the Raiders have kind of screwed him by moving him around. I haven't personally studied him. I don't know any of this, but when I hear that, I think, I don't think, I don't think I'd put in a waiver claim because if he's falling to 31 on a waiver claim, he probably falls past 32. I don't know. <laughs> and why not try to get him at a cheaper deal? Um, but I would, if he clears waivers, I'd think about it. I mean, I prefer him to some of the guys that, well, really just Jackson Carmen <laughs> is what I think of. So I would prefer to get an Alex Leatherwood over a Jackson Carmen. And if you can make that move, you'd, I would, but also it costs them money to cut Carmen. Like, it's not like you save any money and you take a little bit of a dead cap. The dead cap's bigger than the savings. So I don't know. I don't know how do you feel about um, that particular one. I think there's been a few other interesting cuts. Wyatt Davis was a third-round pick that got cut, but he had a whole bunch of injuries, so that could just be not great looking <laughs> injury wise. I don't know. I haven't kept up too, too much on all the cuts. Uh, the only other one I could think of is Tyler Johnson got cut from the Buccaneers and he has uh, what, like 700 yards in his career over two seasons, including like 400 yards in a year. If you're looking for a guy that can bring you some juice as a pass catching wide receiver, he might be that. So I don't know. Do any names stick out to you or do you have any opinion on the Alex Leatherwood situation? 
Yeah, I think when you look at this team as a whole and and some are asking, what do you think they're going to move? What moves do you think they're going to make? What's going to change this year when it comes to the roster depth, all of that stuff? And I don't really feel like your roster is content or it it's never over because you deal with injuries or, throughout the season. But personally, I think it's going to be offensive line depth. The thing is, I don't think it's going to be any crazy big names out there, but I do see them bringing in more guys. And it's more of a depth situation. You might see guys on the roster today with that offensive line who are back who won't be there in 10 days for the opener. So none of it's really surprising. I think a lot will happen over just the next week alone. But you mentioned Jackson Carmen. And I think people need to realize that because you hear, oh, Cincinnati should just cut him, count your L. Sometimes draft picks don't work out. And they've done a pretty good job over the last two years when it comes to draft picks. Offensive linemen, on the other hand, when they're drafting, not going so well for this team. When you hear that, get rid of them. Trade them. I mean, I think you have to have another team willing to trade for this guy. And I don't think there are a lot of suitors out there for Cincinnati. No. And I mean, that even goes back to what what the, the story that came out the offseason. You don't they don't want to bring on the baggage, first of all, from that. And then they don't want they I mean, he hasn't shown enough that the team's really clamoring to trade for the guy. He's got a second round uh, cap hit. He you can't cut him really. I mean, you, you can, but you lose money cutting. And that's why the Leatherwood thing was so surprising. They're losing money over the next two years to cut that guy. And by all accounts, he's supposed to be like a stand-up guy. Like that's the type that's usually, I don't know if there's anything else going on in that situation, but that's usually the type that's like, well, he's just an inactive on game day for like the entire year. <laughs> then next year he gets cut or something like that. That's what was really surprising about it. Cause that's why I don't think Carmen gets cut is because it costs the team money to do. It doesn't make sense. Might as well just keep them, make them a, a healthy scratch on game days. But um, I don't know. I, I don't think there are teams that want to trade for him. Similar. I mean, it is really similar to the Alex Leatherwood situation. Apparently they called all 31 teams. They all said no on a trade. I mean, made sense. Comes with like a $7 million cap hit this year. And you have to pay him next year, all these other issues. That's why I think he might go unclaimed on waivers. You have to you owe him six million guaranteed over the next three years. So they don't want to make that investment. Now, when they clear waivers and you can just sign them for a million for one year, that's I think that's where I think where these guys make their money. But yeah, when I look at Carmen, I don't think there's anybody who wants to bring that on, especially in a trade. And uh, cutting him doesn't make sense because of the money. So like, while I would maybe think about doing it from a roster building perspective, because everything that's happened and he has shown that honestly, he kind of looks worse than last season. (laughs) So uh, all the best shape of my life talk didn't seem to pan out. Um, I don't know. I, I roster building, I'd cut him and I'd look to improve. But when you look at it, from uh, t- from uh, the actual team's perspective, they're losing money to do that. So they need a real reason to cut him, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I think it's an L with, with Carmen. I mean, it would be crazy if he bounced back this season. If he's even given those opportunities right now, you could even look at this offensive line and say, this guy might not be the left guard backup on this team all season, which is not great for your second round pick last year. But I think one of the things that was really telling not to go too far back into it, but just a couple weeks ago, you see it on social media. LC's working with Wilson 
after practice and Carmen was really nowhere to be found. And I don't know how invested he is into the season. And that's a huge thing when you have Frank Pollock and the offensive line assistance that they have there. This guy's not invested in getting better and just kind of taking the L of being the backup. Maybe he doesn't want to be. That's totally fine. That's competition in NFL players. But personally, I think that just seeing him really not engaged in all of that. And of course, we're not there 24-7. We don't see what happens behind the scenes in the locker room, those conversations that are happening. But for Collins to have that experience and be able to share that with one of the rookies, I'd be all in my second year in the NFL, if somebody's out there telling me, hey, this is what you need to do. It looked like they were working on techniques and just different things after practice. And sometimes you want to hear it from someone different than your coach. Yeah. I mean, the things in the draft with him were that he's not as interested in football as a lot of the other prospects. He's, you know, not that he doesn't care. It's just probably that he doesn't care as much as he needs to, to become a better NFL player. So if his physical talents don't take him somewhere, then you're looking at, well, you're kind of looking at what might be the result of that, where he hasn't improved. And you could argue over the preseason, he's looked worse than the end of last year. So it it's not great. I don't like rooting for any player's downfall, but man, it, it really does feel like, like I watched Cordell Volson over again, um, just some clips I had of him in college and the way he like kicks out for his pass set. And I look at it in the preseason and it's like, he's improving. Like he looks like he's less, I mean, the big improvement was that he just keeps a base. Now he used to almost click his heels as he went. If you get hit, <laughs> just have somebody try to push you with your heels together versus heels apart. You're just so much stronger with them apart. So he's looks like it's not perfect, but he's keeping his heels more apart. He's playing with a wider base cleats in the ground, a little less herky jerky, a little smoother. It's still not perfect. I don't even know if I'd say it's good, but it just like, that's what I was concerned about him even playing this season. I was like, I mean, he might get killed on that. And then he knows his weak point and he improves on it. I, I'm, if I look up a Carmen clip from last season versus this season, I don't think I'll see the same type of improvement when it comes to footwork. And I know I won't see the type, same type of improvement when it comes to his hand placement, because in the only game he started this preseason, that, that looked worse. Like he was, I mean, he was just bear hugging guys out there quarterback wide receiver room and a lot more surprises looking ahead to week one against the Pittsburgh Steelers we'll be right back on it's always game day in Cincinnati eBay Motors is here for the ride remember when you first saw the potential and then through some elbow grease fresh installs and a whole lot of love you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own look to your left look to your right it's official no one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride-or-die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This, this is It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati with Lindsey Patterson and Mike Santagata. 
We're back on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati. A big day around the NFL, cut down day. As we mentioned, the roster, it's never really final. A lot of talk about the wide receiver room, the punter room, and the quarterbacks. We'll start with punters right now. I think if you were to ask fans early Tuesday morning, who's going to be the punter for the Cincinnati Bengals in 2022, they would have said Drew Christman. Me personally, I didn't really see a big difference in preseason. You could differ from me. I think one of the biggest things you look at the punter room, Evan McPherson last year, Clark Harris, just alone when it comes to holding the ball, kicking the field goals, having Kevin Huber out there. Yeah, his punting wasn't perfect. It wasn't the best in the NFL or anything like that, but they knew what they were getting in Kevin Huber. And I think the biggest thing going into this offseason, they had the punter competition. And it wasn't a big enough difference from what they felt comfortable with. And I'll, I'll give Darren Simmons credit because that guy had me fooled all week when he said, you know, it doesn't matter if someone's been here this long. Obviously, he's been there for a really long time. None of that mattered when it comes to the decision they were making. Around the NFL, there's all kinds of different punter decisions. Some released, some take, didn't want to take a pay cut. So they're getting released from their teams. Plenty of guys available. Were you surprised with what Cincinnati did? No, not at all. I, I, the entire time I kept saying, um, I don't think they care about the $1 million difference in contract. And I don't think they care about youth versus age because they'll probably be able to get Chrisman again on practice squad. The entire thing is Chrisman has to show he's a better punter than Huber. And he didn't do that. I mean, when you look at my guys, the punalytics, the punt runs on Twitter. That's uh, for real. Yeah, they do analytics on punters. It's, it's guys from Harvard that just do punter stats. So Huber ended up with a, a better punter EPA, and he ended up with a better pin deep score, whatever that means. I guess it means that you know he got him more inside the 20 versus kicking touchbacks. Um, and then uh, Crispin had the better open field. And that's kind of – that sounds right to me where Huber is directionally and hang time. He's doing all that stuff better, all the stuff that's not – holy crap, you see that 60-yard punt? <laughs> and that's what Crispin could do. The open field, just boom this ball as far as you can. And I don't know. I don't think Crispin had the great hang time. I, I think he has a really good leg. But I think a little bit of what we're talking about with Huber gets overstated. Same guys, my punalytics people, they had Huber. Uh, he was around in a league average punter. Um, there's guys who end up with negative punter EPA, and that's like uh, Britton Colquitt, actually Morstead, I guess, in 2020. And then guys who end up with great punter EPAs, like your Jake Bailey's and Michael Dixon's. Huber's in the middle. And he is like every year, uh, at least the past couple of years. Over the past couple of years, he's been in the middle, perfectly average punter. And with that average punter, you get experience holding. You get a guy that Chris that uh, Simmons is comfortable with. I just kept thinking like Chrisman has to show he's better. Not that he can punt as well as Huber. He has to show he's a better punter. And I don't think he did that. It sounded like you didn't think he showed that he was a definitively better punter either. In fact, I mean, the punalytics people said that uh, Huber was better in the preseason. So I know that doesn't fit the eye test for some fans, a lot of fans based off of Twitter today. But uh, I think they're not counting for all the directional and hang time stuff that Huber can do. And as you mentioned, I feel like Chris Mitt will be on the practice squad. And look, we could be dealing with this again next year. It doesn't look like Kevin Huber wants to retire anytime soon. And he's comfortable with his guy in Evan McPherson. I wonder if he had any say in it. Obviously, it's only Evan McPherson's second year, but he had a career year, rookie year last year. 
And I think it does mean something to feel comfortable with those guys out there. At the same time, this team isn't punting. They're not punting at all. They're kicking, they're kicking 65 yarders. They're going to let Evan do his work. So, I mean, to get upset about a punter situation, I feel like you're in a really good spot if you're a team coming off a Super Bowl to, to be upset about that. We'll move over to the quarterback room because, again, we're not really seeing Joe Burrow in preseason, and it should always stay that way. That guy should never take a snap in preseason. You look at your backup position. Brandon Allen actually had to step up a lot while Joe Burrow was recovering during training camp. Joe gets, you know, last part of August. He's out there. He's not taking part in preseason. Jake Browning showing what he can do out there. There's a little irritation. Some people using their voice and stating that maybe the Bengals should have changed things up with their backup quarterback. What did you think about that? So in my mind, I put backup quarterbacks into these tiers where you have young guy that's supposed to develop. The Bengals don't really have either one of anything like that. They have old guy that you're not going to play because we have a guy, but they don't trust him. I think of, well, I don't want to make all of Miami mad, but that's kind of like what Teddy Bridgewater is where if, I don't know if we fully trust Tua, so if we need to win some games, we're going to throw Teddy in there. And then you have the guys that are behind the Patrick Mahomes and Joe Burrows and all these other elite quarterback types. And those are just like the quarterback's like second, third coach. <laughs> I don't know. He's kind of like his friend, coach, mentor, everything like that. I could think of um, maybe like a, a he's almost like a, a an assistant. I don't know. Uh, basically, they watch film together. He'll cut up stuff for Joe. He'll point stuff out to him. He's he's a smart guy. Joe likes having him around. I mean, Joe just had a great season with Brandon Allen helping him out. If, if either Brandon Allen or Jake Browning got into a game, it probably wouldn't go well. It's not like these guys are certified NFL starters. And, hey, I always think about that one game Brandon Allen had against Houston. He was just throwing heat checks. Uh, he ended up with like 140 passer rating, 300 yards, all these awesome stats. And he hasn't done anything like that since then. But I just think of that whenever I'm thinking of uh, <laughs> can he can, – if Brandon Allen has to start a game or two, do you feel comfortable? Not really, but what if he throws another heater? <laughs> I just think of that. But, yeah, what I think of is just like this is just kind of the quarterback's assistant. I mean, it's not like – Patrick Mahomes has a great guy behind him if he misses a few games. And we've seen that it's Chad Henney, you know, and he, he was able to finish out that one playoff game. But if they were really nervous about things, don't you think they'd be going for the Teddy Bridgewaters and the Mariotas and all these type of backups that are like high paid? Like if you miss a game, this guy could step in there and win it for us. They don't have that. And that also comes down to the, the contracts you're giving out. Those guys cost a lot more money than the other guys. So, what I think of, if you're in that bucket of guys that you're basically the starting quarterback's second assistant coach or friend or whatever, then he kind of just gets to pick who his backup's going to be, and he picked Brandon Allen. Yeah, I think at the end of the day, you look around the league right now, you're in bad shape if Joe Burrow is out. We've watched that in Joe's rookie year. I mean, you can go back to that Steelers Monday night game and they really uh, changed it all around with your backup, backup quarterback out there beating the Steelers on Monday night football, which is still unbelievable to think about. But in that scenario, I mean, any team who's playing their backup, it's not good news unless you're up by 40, which we saw that a couple of times where Joe got to sit a couple out late in the fourth quarter against Baltimore. 
Pittsburgh, just a few to name, but at the same time, you're not in a good situation if if your backup is out there and a lot of NFL teams could say the same thing unless, as you mentioned, you have a quarterback out there who the backup could probably take the starting quarterback's position, and we'll see that at some point. There's a lot of NFL teams who their backup might be better than their starter. It's not like that in Cincinnati, but I think the biggest thing right now is, you know, that football IQ that Brandon Allen might have on the sideline. What do you, him and Joe Burrow talk about, you know, what Joe learns from him. And I think Joe has a little bit of say too, who his backup quarterback's going to be. And they'll carry three quarterbacks. If it's not Jake Browning on the practice squad, they'll pick up another one. I, I see them still carrying three on this roster. But going forward, I think a lot of people thought they could predict the wide receiver room what that was going to look like when you watch preseason games because they're not playing their starters out there, which I hope Zach Taylor always does that. Most of his starters out there. I don't want Jamar Chase out there. I don't want T Higgins out there. I don't want Tyler Boyd out there. And you see some of the backups who might get signed to the practice squad. Were you surprised with any of the wide receiver moves? And as of now, as we're recording this, they cut Mike Thomas. Yeah. The, the Mike Thomas one, he's supposed to, just like last season, I think their plan is they cut him, move a guy to IR tomorrow morning, tonight. I don't know when that happens, but then they bring him back like within a day or two. So I'm not super worried about that. I mean, I guess if somebody claims him, but nobody did it last season. And I don't know. I, don't, I think they claim somebody younger. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, I wasn't overly surprised. I guess I was surprised they're doing that same exact move again. But then once uh, – once I realized what they're doing, I was like, I guess I'm not shocked <laughs> if, if it worked last time, might as well try it again. Um, prior, I think was the closest to making the team, but it just, they went with Travion and I assume it's just special team stuff. And really we don't want to over inflate what a wide receiver five, six is going to do on this team. It's like 40 yards <laughs> from last season. It's not anything crazy. So I don't know if he's even, I don't think he'd be the top wide receiver. If somebody's putting out a claim with Tyler Johnson and a few other guys that got cut, Lynn Bowden got cut, Preston Williams got cut all these guys who have done some stuff in the NFL, not just in preseason games. So I think those guys would be the first claims over him. And he was an older rookie, I believe um, just fact checking his age real quick, just so I'm not wrong on that. But yeah, I'd like to bring him back. I'm saying all that, but I really want to bring him back on the practice squad because he was awesome in the preseason. Um, it's just, I'm not sure that I, I think everybody kind of has these wide receivers that are a bit, you know, they're, there's just so many good wide receivers now because that's just every level of football is at least three wide receiver, you know, 11 personnel, sometimes even 10 personnel base offenses. So what you get out of that is uh, a lot, a lot, a lot of good wide receivers when they're that body type, it's hard to find, it's harder to find the corners and the other things that use that type of body type than it is a wide receiver because they're just being specialized early on in seven on sevens and all these other things. Um, so there's, there's just such an influx of wide receiver talent. So I think almost every team has a guy like Kendrick Pryor. They're like, Oh shoot, that guy's not going to make it back to us. And he probably will. <laughs> yeah. And, and that's the thing about preseason games alone, even training camp. There's always that one guy that he wins training camp or he wins preseason. And we think he's the best of the best. And he ends up getting cut and lands on the practice squad or another team. And we never hear from him again. But we'll stay with weapons right now because I think when you do look at some of the rooms, the offensive rooms, the tight end room, 
dealing with a little bit of injuries. To be determined, Drew Sample, obviously, he's not a fan favorite of what he can do as a weapon at tight end. You get Hayden Hurst, who I think is going to be fun, a red zone threat, something they haven't had since Tyler Eifert. Mitch Wilcox dealing with injury, and he's really not going to be your number two tight end out there. I don't think so. Some of the guys who have been cut, when you look at depth positions, I know Jeff Hobson from Bengals.com mentioned maybe tight end is a room that they're going to add before they play the Steelers in about a week. Who? What would you do when it comes to tight end? Because this is not a position that Cincinnati has really ever valued too much. Yeah, I don't know if the tight end three is on the roster or was recently cut, um, but I mean – Mitchell Wilcox seems to do a pretty fine job on special teams, but he's also injured quite a bit. Uh, so I think they might be looking for somebody a little bit more durable. I think there's a lot of uh, hype around OJ Howard. And I think we're all thinking of OJ Howard before an Achilles tear, because that saps a lot of athleticism. The bills cut him and took three million million worth of contract to get rid of him. I'm not thinking that guy is the same guy we remember from Tampa and definitely not the same guy that people thought he was going to be coming out of Alabama. I hope he finds a roster spot somewhere. He's supposed to be still a pretty good blocker. So I, I mean, I could see it on a cheap deal, but even if they sign him, it's just lower your expectations. This guy's not probably not some extreme vertical threat anymore. He's probably just going to come in and block and you'll be mad at him. Like you are drew sample because he's not, not doing as much as you want in the passing game. But, uh, I, I could see them bringing a guy in. It could be a guy nobody really knows. It could be, uh, it, I mean, yeah, it could be Howard, could be Wilcox. I I think that is one of the spots when you look at the team, along with um, interior of the offensive line, is a spot that you could see them bringing a guy in. Because when I think of the interior offensive line, like who's the backup guard? Is it Trey Hill, who's also the backup center? Or are they using Hakeem Adenogy as both the swing tackle and the, the interior backup? It's I'm not sure. So it would make sense if they brought a guy in. It's tight end in your third 10 ends. Like, it's not Thad Moss. Is it Mitchell Wilcox? It feels like they always want to bring a guy in that's not Mitchell Wilcox, and he's injured quite a bit. So I'm not sure if they trust it. Um, so I could see them bringing somebody in. It could even be an OJ Howard who I kind of poo-pooed, but uh, I'm more so just saying if they bring in Howard, don't set your expectations for Alabama Howard. I mean, I think there's a reason you look at the bills, they're paying him to go away. And that's huge for a team who is an AFC favorite. Some have the bills in the Super Bowl this year, and they're showing you right now. I know the Bengals have had interest in him in the past, but he's not the same guy that, you once thought about when you think of that tight end position of OJ Howard. So are you saying right now on this podcast, Gronk isn't going to come out of retirement and play for Cincinnati? I wish. No, I don't see it, but I wish that'd be super cool. I, I think Gronk last year was still a very good tight end, but I mean, I guess if I'm going to say Mitchell Wilcox is injured quite a bit lately, I guess Gronk is too, you know, but Gronk gives you a little more juice than anybody else that they could sign. I'm selfishly wanting the content. He doesn't have to play it down, but just to be on the team with him and Joe Burrow, I mean, all eyes would be on Cincinnati, and that would be really fun to watch. So maybe he'll come back out of retirement midway through the season and say, I want to play with JB. He said it before. We'll see what happens. But plenty to get to. I can't believe we're just about less than two weeks away from week one, the opener, and we'll get to more on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati. This is It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati with Lindsey Patterson and Mike Santagata. 
We're back on. It's always game day in Cincinnati. It feels like a dead period right now, but still plenty to talk about because it's the NFL and we're two weeks away from the NFL opener. Preseason is finally over, which is amazing. It's the best feeling in the world when the clock hits zero. I'm glad there's only three preseason games and we don't have to go over four of them because it's a waste of time. But we'll wrap it up now with what we have learned. I'm going to let you start. What did you learn during the three preseason games? I, um, I I don't know if it's something I learned, but it's just a reminder to everybody. And I kind of hinted towards this at the beginning. It's just, just be kind to these athletes because they're still people, man. Like we're in cut day. And I know that's a little bit of why I'm thinking it. John Wall had his recent thing where, you know, he mentioned that he was feeling suicidal after his Achilles tear and all this other stuff. And I'm sure that fans play an, an impact in this and, you know, I always think of um, Mike Jordan, the Bengal, not the the Bulls shooting guard. That was pretty good. Um, <laughs> he played with Burrow in college. He, by all accounts, he was trying to get better. He just wasn't getting better, and the Bengals wouldn't bring anybody in to start over him. And he ends up getting Burrow's knee torn up, and like that sucks. As an offensive lineman, that sucks. He didn't want to do that, and he's getting like death threats, all these other things, just because he wasn't good enough on a play against an all pro defensive tackle and John Allen, like he shouldn't have been put in that situation. So it's just what I think of with cut day and everything else. It's like, it's cool. You were right in the draft process. It's not cool to like make fun of a guy for getting cut or to say, I'm so smart. I was right about, you know, Tyler Shelvin. He can't play. It's like, you also wanted probably Denzel Mims over T Higgins. Like we're all right. We're all wrong. Stop taking victory laps over a guy losing his job. I just know if I lost my job and then somebody came out like, I knew you couldn't make it in this industry. You're a bum. (laughs) I'd just be so upset about it. I'd be like, what the heck? And nobody would do that to me in a normal industry. But when they're football players and they're famous and you know, you're a fan of the team. I guess you feel you have the right to call them out or just call out random people. It's not even just Bengals that people are making fun of or trying to say like, they're so smart for being right on. It's just, wait, you could talk about how you were right on somebody, but not in like a gloating fashion over somebody losing their job. More like, uh, I don't know. I, I've hit on this before type of thing. I, I don't know. I'm kind of rambling a little bit now, but it's just, I, I just, I don't know. I have a lot of sympathy towards, the guys that are losing out on their dream jobs right now. And instead of piling on them, I just feel more sympathy of like, ah, man, I hope that guy finds a spot somewhere, especially when they're not low character, like off the field issue type guys, when they're high character doing everything right. And they just aren't getting it done or they haven't improved or whatever the issue is. I don't know. That's, that's what I think of is just, just kind of be kind to these people because I think you have a bigger impact on them when you're tagging them and making fun of them and, trying to boast about how smart you are. Uh, I think that has an impact on these players. I think it's really questionable when people tag, I mean, when they say anything or, or, you know, tweet at them, but when you tag them in your tweets and like, you're saying mean things, some people just tag them and be like, Oh, this guy had a legit highlight. He did a great, this is Joe Burrow to Jamar chase. And they tag him, which makes total sense. But when you do it on purpose to be mean, 
this guy's talented for a reason. He made it to the NFL for a reason. And maybe it didn't work out in year one, year two, year three. But to to get down on guys, I never understood that on social media. Don't don't tweet people. Don't tweet athletes. Don't tweet mean things to people in general. But no, I I agree 100 percent That's that's so annoying. And and you do see that on, on cut day and people getting upset about their fantasy football team. It's like, man, I just it gets oh. It gets annoying real quick. And then they're, they're surprised about like, well, this player hates fantasy football. It's like, yeah, because most of the time, if he's like, does if he's trying to fight through an injury and he just doesn't make it, he's getting angry tweets, all these things. Like I tried to start you in fantasy. It's like, I don't want to be on the bench. You think I chose this or those guys that go out there and get zero catches because they're hurt. It's like, I tried to play. I don't know what you want from me. I don't care. Like they don't care about the fantasy aspect of it, but like, you're making it worse. <laughs> yes. I think I learned a couple things when watching preseason and I'm really happy. I don't know if the front office or the coaching staff was listening to our podcast last week when I said, I don't want Dax Hill to play in the third preseason game, even though they put him on the program and everything. I was like, Oh yeah, they're definitely going to play this guy because he's on the program for the finale. Maybe a couple reps. He didn't play. Um, as we know, Jesse Bates is back last week. Personally, I think he's one of those draft picks, the first round draft picks that we haven't talked about in a really long time. It's the other guys. It's the defense. It's this team coming off the Super Bowl. You got Joe Burrow. You got these weapons. And this guy was a number one pick, or number first round pick. And I know it was towards the very end of the first round, but he was someone we didn't talk about. And I know he's going up against a different level of talent when it's second string, third string guys in preseason games. But I think watching Dax Hill out there, it showed that this guy is special. To, to be determined on what it's going to look like next year without Jesse Bates on the field and what their safety room looks like. But he is going to be fun. He's going to be one of those rookies that were like, oh, man, what a great pick for Cincinnati. And I don't know if they're getting enough credit for what they picked up in Dax Hill. Yeah, I think they'll just have to wait for regular season, though. I know I, I agree that he's looked really good in the preseason. But man, I, I don't want to take a victory lap until you know, a few regular a few regular season games are, where he looks really good. Then I'll take my victory lap. But I want to see him do it against uh, real good players. Uh, you know, I don't know, breaks up a pass to uh, even uh, like Mark Andrews. He breaks up a pass to Mark Andrews from Lamar Jackson. Then I'll maybe think about taking the victory lap about like, oh, the Bengals nailed that one. But when he's breaking up passes to whoever number 45 is on the Giants, I don't think of it as like, oh, man, the Bengals nailed that one. I'm just thinking like he looks like a first round pick. I hope this is good. You're telling people to just, hey, relax, wait until he's out there week one, week two, what he can do. So so you're not you're not on the excitement train of Dax Hill yet. I don't know. Maybe I'm just being the wet blanket. I, there is excitement, but it's just like, I don't know. I try not to get too excited about the preseason performances. I feel like I get more down than I get excited. It's like, oh, man, that guy didn't improve. Or, you know, like we just talked about with Carmen. I mean, the thing is, it's all we have. It's all we have from training camp to week one. So you're going to take anything you can when it comes to a highlight to, you know, early preseason games and your rookie is making plays and has an interception. So I'm taking what we have right now. Look, you're right. We could get into week one, week two and be like, oh, man, this guy's getting beat. This doesn't look really good for our secondary. And, man, we're really going to miss Jesse Bates out there. But I'll be honest, I'm an optimistic person when I think about this defense and what Dax Hill can do. So when you think about Dax Hill out there, Jesse Bates, Von Bell, that doesn't excite you. 
That excites me. No, that excites me on paper. I just don't know if I'm ready to take the that he's he's a special player on the team already when it's been a few preseason games. I think he looked really good in college. I think he's looked really good in the preseason. And when he looks really good in the regular season, I'll say, awesome, they nailed this pick. He's a great – he's a special player at safety. It's just – I need a few weeks. I'll I'll be there. I just you know let's let's wait in the I don't know. Check so, back week four. Check back week four. We're gonna check back week four on Dax Hill and your thoughts because he'll get his first interception. Because uh, I actually put that out there on social media. I said which defensive player is gonna get the first interception of regular season. And I don't know if you said anything, but who oh, I did. I, I I went with Eli Apple because I think it'd be the funniest of the answers. Or Mike <laughs> Mike Hilton would be a fun one too because it's another pick against the Steelers, and he only has like what that was his first ever pick six. He has he does not really a, a ball hawk. So <laughs> if he could manage another interception against the Steelers, I think that'd be fun. But uh, I mean, the the more normal answers are probably your Logan Wilson, Jesse Bates, Dax Hill. Those type of guys, but I think Eli Apple would be the most fun answer. I've never found out where you stand on Eli Apple because that guy, I know he's a little outspoken on social media and he'll talk back. I mean, he's ready. If you say anything about Eli Apple, he'll find you. Um, but one of the things that I think people forget is what he did in the AFC championship game before the half. He changed the game. And, you know, credit to the defense both times they played the Kansas City Chiefs. But he's had moments out there. And if he's the guy again and he does enough work out there, I don't think it's a terrible thing to have Eli Apple out there. No. I, I mean, last year I thought he was a starting quality corner, uh, maybe even a, an above average corner. I don't know. He, he played at a pretty high level. And uh, what we, what everybody seems to remember is getting beat by Cooper cup, which, you know, that, yeah, that is the last thing that happened to him. But what everybody doesn't remember is the play before Jesse Bates makes that awesome pass breakup on Tyree kill. Eli Apple had a pick six to win the game in his hands, but he dropped it. Like he broke on the ball. Why? He was, Why? He was don't, taking, don't, don't. He, was, he was taking a Patrick Mahomes ball back for the game winner, I don't feel bad talking about because the Bengals ended up winning, but he had a game-winning pick six that would have broken Twitter. Oh, he just couldn't hold on. I think everybody forgets about that. He dropped another pick against Patrick Mahomes, too, in the first matchup between the Bengals and Chiefs. So I'm, I'm okay with Eli Apple. I'm a little nervous about him being able to repeat the poor performance just because he's never done it, <laughs> but he feels comfortable here. He's with the same coaching staff. He's got the same secondary around him. Everything is a constant. It's just, he's a wild card. And if he plays at that average above average level again, then the Bengals got a good, a good deal with him and a, a good contract to me. I kept telling people like, cool the jets on cam taylor Britt. this coaching staff likes eli apple like i know you're not seeing that in the deal they gave him and everything like that they're gonna start eli apple unless taylor Britt blows them away and it's just so hard for a late second round rookie to blow a corner to blow the whole coaching staff away be like we have to start that guy and then he ends up a little bit injured and whatnot but yeah eli apple had the inside track for that job and i don't think everybody realized that yeah, and then the thing with Cam Taylor Britt, you mentioned it. I mean, this guy's not going to be out there for about three games, and who who knows if he'll be out there week four, week five, what that's going to look like when he does return off the short-term IR. 
personally, I think it's going to take some getting used to as a rookie in the NFL. And it's just hard if you're not going through it all, going through training camp, you get those reps in preseason games. And that stuff does matter for how much I don't want some of the guys out there. That matters for some of the, the younger guys, the year one guys before they get into regular season, because it's a whole different ball game from college to the NFL. We don't know what that's going to look like for Cam Taylor, Britt, but I think the secondary alone, if Eli Apple can be just a little bit of what he was last year, it's going to be legit and Lou's going to be a head coach somewhere next year. That's what I'm going to uh, take. Oh, yeah. I mean, I agree that I think Lou might get the head coaching job before Brian Callahan does um, because what he does with that defense, especially in the playoffs, was so impressive. Just to, I mean, these are like top offenses and he shuts Patrick Mahomes down for a half. He, he had that Rams game in hand. It's just the offense, just the offensive line kind of mostly, but the offense wasn't moving the ball as well as they could, but he shut down the run game other than that last drive. I mean, he had, he got them. I don't know. Defense had two interceptions. They had shut down the run game. They were doing a pretty good job against the pass game. I don't know. I, I, I watched that and they shut down Derrick Henry in the Titans run game. And Hey, let's not bring it back to Eli Apple. Let's not forget Logan Wilson caught that final interception. You know who broke up that pass was Eli Apple. They targeted Eli Apple on third down, and he said no. He chops down the guy's arms. The ball goes up into the air. Interception. Bengals win the game. And I just think we don't give Eli Apple his credit when he deserves it. He deserved it pretty much all of last year, especially I think he got better as the year went on. And then in the playoffs, he played really well. And I think surprised a lot of Surprised a lot of people until the end where they could have just gone like, oh, I knew that there's Eli Apple because he's matched up against the triple crown winning wide receiver one-on-one -on, -one on the goal line. <laughs> you have talked me into Eli Apple is going to get the first interception of regular season <laughs> now. Because now I'm like, you know what? You're right. He's going to come off that same performance. And, you know, just this defensive loan alone, it's just easy to go back, as you mentioned. It was unbelievable. And kind of a similar feeling into training camp as it started to wrap up. The offense didn't look great on a lot of plays. The offensive line, we still really haven't seen it full go. LC, you know, coming in late to training camp and not really getting the chance to work with this offensive line, what these starters are going to look like. Do you think there's going to be like any hiccups with this offensive line, this new unit who really hasn't gone hardcore in any games together? Yeah, probably. I mean, that, that's probably not what you want to hear, but like, yeah, probably. Be honest. Be honest. <laughs> yeah. I could see definitely some hiccups. I mean, you've got. I don't know if TJ Watt's healthy, but that's a pretty tough front for your first game. Um, Cam Hayward going against what could be Cordell Volson at left guard, could be Alex Kappa at right guard. Either way, Cam Hayward probably has the advantage, but one's a bigger advantage than the other. Tyson Alawalu's back. Alex Highsmith, uh, Jonah matches up pretty well with him at least, but then TJ Watt against, if he's playing, Lyle Collins is also a matchup that, I'm not sure. It's a tough front to go. All right, we haven't played together. Let's <laughs> let's get this down. And you know, hopefully your hiccups are causing smaller gains in the run game than you want. Than they are giving up quarterback hits against Joe Burrow. But I do think you'll probably experience a few. Just uh, that guy. You know, they they weren't in sync with each other on a twist, or you know, they 
this guy thought he was heading out on the com on the climb on the combo and the other guy went out too and then you end up leaving a guy <laughs> just alone that happened in the preseason that's why i'm thinking of it the the Bengals. i can't remember who it was but they both went to the second level <laughs> the defensive tackle is just like, all right <laughs> he's just standing there so hopefully nothing that egregious but i do think it's going to be a little bit rough with the chemistry well, I know you're busy when it comes to offensive line, NFL, the Cincinnati Bengals. You have plenty over on your Twitter account, Bengals underscore Sands, and all Bengals. Do you have anything coming out over the next week that fans need to check out? Yeah, it might be up by the time everybody's listening, but I am doing a piece on Dax Hill, which I just tried to say you the just whole preseason. Being excited about this guy. <laughs> yeah, and then I'm gonna write you a piece to be excited about the guy because I think he had a really good preseason. But you know, just end it with you know, it is preseason. Let's just remember it's preseason. But if you want to get excited, there's gonna be an article. Well, I'll retweet that. And the first thing I'm going to say, reminder, it, it was only preseason. <laughs> and I will get killed and hammered for that. But um, I'll take it for you. No, I'll, I'll definitely read it. Good stuff. Always on all Bengals and on Twitter. Make sure you're checking them out. Bengals underscore Sands. Lindsey Patterson here. We're going to be back again later this week at some point over the next 10 days. We're going to get to preview week one of regular season, the shortest offseason for the Cincinnati team. And uh, I could get really used to that. Moving on to regular season again. We'll be back later this week on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati.